Hello and welcome to the Mal and Johnny Show. Very special guest this week, poet, historian, all-round good egg, Roger Steadit. Roger, welcome to the programme. It's lovely to speak to you again. Welcome, but useless with technology, clearly, that- <laughs> since it's taken me so long to get through to <laughs> As long as it works in the end, I know computers are great when they work. We love them, don't we, Johnny? We do, we do. We do. And we just, we were saying before we came on air that how your life and my life have been rather similar, uh, like living backstage in theatres. They and, have. Yeah. You wrote a very good poem, which I read, and it was based really on that, that upbringing in theatres. I thought it was really good. Yeah, I mean, I, I like you, John, you know, my dad was a performer, your dad was a performer, and childhood was unusual yeah. uh, by most people's standards, but it was all we knew, you know, growing up backstage, yeah. growing up with, you know, half-naked chorus girls, you know what I mean. Yeah, I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> as I got older, I look back on it and think, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, I'm but, sure. But uh, how, much did, how much did you see of your father? Because obviously he was very busy and very, very famous, you know, flying around the country as well. How much did you see of him? Enough? Or was it, well, it, it is what it is, isn't it? It is what it is. Well, it's never enough, is it? Particularly when they're not with you anymore, mm. you know. The mm. truth of the matter is my childhood was generally a very happy one. Yeah. But it was, uh, he was away a great deal. So, I mean, I missed him. And uh, much of the time we travelled with him, my mum and I, uh, and uh, lived in caravans, lived in digs and all the rest of it. Uh, but when school caught me and I couldn't go away and I had to get an education, you know, um, I, I, I miss the travelling, really, and um, that's just the fact of it. Yeah. Um, but mean, I've written a lot of poems about my childhood and a lot of poems about the theatre. Yeah. Know? Well, maybe we, we could we could have one or two two of those before before we finish today. I mean, I mean, it's interesting to okay. hear that, that you you studied history at university. You went to Cambridge to study history. Why? Well, you know, with, with showbiz in the family, why didn't you well, just go start tap dancing like Johnny? Well, I didn't have the talent that oh. Johnny's got. <laughs> no, exactly. None of us have. You know, None of us have that. <laughs> um, you know, uh, unfortunately, the musical ability that my dear dad had has passed right over my head. <laughs> and now my dear son, Sam, is a fabulous jazz musician. Um, I was a drummer back in the 60s and with all that entailed, you know. So uh, yeah. my only claim to musical fame was was playing the drums. But of course... As time went on, I became not just a poet, but I became a dramatist. So I was writing for the theatre. I was writing for film, animation, radio drama. So I was kind of creating my own form of show business, but doing it in a way one step removed as a writer. And, of course, I wrote for Dad. Yeah, of course. I wrote some pantomimes and I I wrote a play and all the rest of it. So the circle turned full. Yeah, was he keen uh, that why you, did I go to Cambridge? Why did I go to Cambridge? Yeah, well, I should think he was. He, was he keen to make I you? Ask you why did you? Why go? did I go? Well, I, I my parents are both. I, you I know my, my parents are both teachers, so uh, it was sort of expected oh. in education. You know, if they'd have been entertainers, well, I'd have been fighting them to let me go back on stage. I mean, was it a, was it a difficult thing to go to university? Did you did you mind going? Well, you know, I was the first member of my family that had. And, I mean, I went to Wichita Grammar, which is a lovely school, still is, of course, full of great sports people now. Um, and um, I did entrance and scholarship exams. And I went up with two of my closest friends. So we went up as a little posse, a little gang. Right. And we, we, we gathered a few others around us. And for the three years, we were like a little enclave. 
Um, but Cambridge, I don't know about you, but I was skinny as a rape when I went there, and it's as cold as anything. Yes. You know, the classic one about the wind blowing in across from the Urals. Urals. Uh, you, you know, the Urals. And um, there we Not are. Not the Urinals. That's bad, though. But you were at Cambridge. Thomas, but he's in the toilet. <laughs> but you, but you, were, you were a bluer. Didn't you do high jumping? Yeah. Or something? Well, I was... I was, well, I was the British school's champion before I went off to university, and I was a full Welsh international before I went off to university. And then for three years when I was there, I was a blue, uh, which means I represented the university against Oxford for the three years running. Isn't that amazing? So high, I was a high jumper, but um, they don't even do my style of high jumping anymore. They do the flop now, and I used well, to the do the straddle. Straddle, the straddle. Well, <laughs> the I, straddle, uh, you know. Yeah. But so you I were, couldn't even... But your life is... You, I mean, you went, to, you went to Israel and lived in a kibbutz, didn't you? <laughs> No, I visited. I didn't live Oh, you there. visited. I thought you lived in no, the... No, they somewhere. wouldn't have me, John. They wouldn't have me, I'm sure. <laughs> they really, really wouldn't. Yeah. So, but no, my life was... I mean, I... I I began as a poet in my in my um, in my teens, and I did that really to court popularity with girls because I had very few other talents in that direction. But of course, I could say I'm going to write you a poem, and that was always a very good icebreaker. Yeah. Uh, not that you would need that, John, of course. But um, <laughs> I just used to tap dance for. <laughs> Well, there we go. Use the tap dance on their chest. Oh, <laughs> I see. I started. I started to write poetry in my teens, and I did that for about ten years, and um, I loved it, and I still do. But for about forty years. I put it aside because I became a dramatist. Mm. So I was writing plays and uh, radio plays, and I was writing animation. I was one of the busiest animation writers in the country. What, which, which, my, one did, yeah, which one did you do? Which, which animation were you involved in? I worked a lot with a big studio called Cosgrove Hall in Manchester, uh, who, who famously did Danger Mouse. But we did series like Avenger Penguins. Yeah. Uh, we did. Um, I did 26 episodes of Sooty's Amazing Adventures. Oh. Um, so I'm the only I'm the only writer in the world who's written for both the Royal Shakespeare Company and Sutty. <laughs> My dear Sutty's, Sutty's dialogue isn't that testing, is it? <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, you 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 mock. No. I tell you this: no. I've worked for Sutty International. Now, yes. listen, that's big time. Yeah. Um, and uh, what was happening was that dear Matthew Corbett, Harry's son. And, of course, Harry and my dad knew each other back yeah. in the day in variety. But when um, when uh, Matthew wanted to uh, leave and to sell up his rights in Sooty because of personal reasons, they said, well, Sooty had never sold outside the UK, believe this or not, the puppet show. And they wanted to up the ante, and they said if we could create an animated series because sell that worldwide and we could get more money basically mm -hmm. so uh, I, I i wrote 13 episodes and i brought another great writer called jimmy hibbert in and he did the other 13 
And it sold around the world, and Matthew sold it, and the rest is history, really. It's still going strong. And does, does, does Sutty talk um, in the animation? Because obviously when he was a puppet, he didn't he, he sort I tried. of he'd listen, speak into... Listen, I tried. Yeah. In, in, in the puppet show, of course, he talks into Matt's ear. Yes, and I pointed, out to them, I pointed out to them that animation is about action. It's about running and jumping and all the rest of it. Yeah. And you couldn't have a character linked to a human ear. You know, you had to have it the character as an autonomous little cartoon character so i got all of that and i uh, and and i got sweep to have a voice wow and everybody else had a voice but my god they'd never let me that sooty have a voice except in one episode right where i created a sooty clone on a flying saucer and he spoke with a broad Yorkshire accent. <laughs> and I thought, well, there you go. I got him talking. Do you know what? I think oh. I, I think I had quite a soft spot for Sue. She had such a lovely little oh, voice, didn't she, Sue? She was, she was, she was beautiful. She's a very lovely little voice. A very, very lovely little voice. And um, she uh, and. Uh, well, I mean, animation is wonderful. I mean, the dear Mike Young, who you'll remember, mm -hmm. of course, yes. uh, Super Ted, Super Ted, lives in the states, don't he? In, oh, lived forever in Los Angeles now. But um, he got me into the business, really. And I started off with a series called Zippy and Zack, about a couple of peng uh, toucans, in fact. Right. And I worked with my old mate, Sir Tony Robinson. We must call oh. him that now, who oh. voiced one of the characters. Um, and, a, and a fine actor called Phil Wichert. And um, a lesser-known character called... Joanna Lumley, uh, I don't whatever know whatever came of her. Whatever happened, they come, they her. go. <laughs> but um, the, the the great thing as a writer is if you're trying to live as a writer full time, and 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 I was, um, uh, you've got to have some commercial work in there because the theatre pays dreadfully. Mm -hmm. uh, radio pays a bit better, and I love radio drama. That's wonderful. But, you know, for an animation episode, which on a good week you could maybe write it a couple of days, you earned more than a stage play that you could be working at for six months. Isn't that funny? You know, yeah. so yeah. it's a mixed economy. You know how it has to be. Yeah. And for 40 years, I just wrote drama, except for seven of those years, I was a psychotherapist just for fun. Um, and um, <laughs> As you do. And then, of course, <laughs> as you do. And then, of course, lockdown came and the theatres went dark and everything changed. And I thought, I'm going to write a poem. Now, I'll go back to my original impetus of being a writer. And I wrote one. And then I wrote another and another. And I'm amazed and ashamed in some senses to say in the last two years, um, I've written 2,000 poems. Goodness me. Uh, yeah. Goodness it's me. not good. It's not proper. You know, if a student of mine had done that, I'd have shouted it. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> but I've 2,000, and I write them at ridiculous times, like five in the morning and one in the morning and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, and, um, and it really, 
what sanity I still have was preserved in lockdown by writing poems. Yeah, it's I, as simple as that. And but yeah, Johnny was in the put, yeah Johnny was in the in the garage tap dancing most days. I was tap, yeah. Tap, yeah, well, I've, yes. I've, I've seen those videos for goodness' sake. Yeah, but you know you've got to have something to do. Yeah. You know, yeah. whilst whilst you can't work in what you normally do. And for well, me, how, how did how did you get both, into to the the psychoanalysis bit? Well, how did you get into that? The therapy. Um, well, I, I I did that mainly in my um, I did it for seven years, right. um, and I did it mainly in my fifties. And I reached a point where I got very interested. Um, you know, having you know gone through trials and tribulations of my own, so I knew how important it was to 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 practice you know good mental health hygiene and and i wanted to help people so i i, I did a longish training uh, i trained to be a psychotherapist but i also trained to be a clinical hypnotherapist so john look into my eyes <laughs> um and um and and i had a practice in bristol uh, and i saw hundreds literally hundreds of clients and worked thousands of hours one-to-one for seven years and uh i hope i did a bit of good that, somewhere yeah. along the line but it's a, it's a hard profession it, it must, must be very yeah, must be very draining i always think it's hard for a, a, a vicar you know because he's always got people coming yeah. to him with their problems and, yeah. to solve and they're on your own uh you know as a psycho as, and a psychotherapist as a compare compared to a um, a, 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 what's the other one? A psychotherapist, a, uh, I'm going to see my analyst. A psychiatrist? Psychiatrist, that's right. What's the, di what's the difference? No, a psychiatrist is a medical doctor. Okay. You've got to, you have to have a degree uh, as a doctor and train in psychiatry. Whereas a psychotherapist um, works with lots of the same concepts, but, you know, isn't a doctor and doesn't work in a hospital, works normally in private practice or uh, associated with some organization where they're i mean for example you'll have psychotherapists working with with military people now that oh. have come out of the service and are going through a difficult time and they will specialize in post-traumatic stress disorder and things that in, impact on 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 service personnel yeah. interesting. um interesting. but there's a you know i'll be i'll be uh, nobody has ever quoted nietzsche on your show before i don't think <laughs> i don't think so um but <laughs> There's a wonderful Nietzsche quote. He says, beware if you look into the abyss, because the abyss also looks back into you. Oh, right. And, you know, you, you sit with pain and problems and difficulties for long enough. Yes. It starts to eat away. I can imagine. Yeah, can yeah, imagine. yeah. Right. What then? about the karate? The taekwondo you did? No, John, you almost got that right. I, <laughs> it's a story, yeah. of, a story of our lives with Johnny. Almost got it right. It's only of our careers, Johnny. Yeah, well, I mean, I've known Johnny since 1960, you know, yeah, and almost yeah. got it right could be his long middle name. Yeah. <laughs> 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 what, did, what, 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 what was it? Uh, were you black belt in, in um, uh, not, well, not karaoke? Uh, I know in, it was um, taekwondo, I think you did. <laughs> Ikea, you know, Ikea. 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 Aikido. 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 Right. It's a yeah. Japanese martial art, a bit like judo or jujitsu. Yes. Um, and like most Japanese martial arts, you use the opponent's energy against them. So you don't yeah. meet force with force. There are lots of throws. There's a lot of joint locks in it. There's yeah. a lot of taking people's balance. It's... 
I'll tell you who did it, although he does it in a quite a brutish way. Uh, the not so great Stephen Segal. Oh, he is an Aikido right. practitioner. Oh, he's Aikido. Oh, although right. he's he's although he's a you know he's he's, he's quite a large man now. Yeah. Um, but um, I loved my Aikido and I worked a lot with uh, with children. I worked a lot with special needs. Mm. Um, I became um, a sensei, an instructor. Um, and I started it at the age of 50. There's hope for you yet, John, when you get <laughs> well, to I, 50. Well, I did, I did Shotokan when I was 35. I know you Shotokan. did. Because some, I, I, some irate husband gave me a kick in one day, and I thought, well, I'm having this. I'm going to protect myself. Only, 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 only one, John, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I've been lucky in my life. <laughs> you know, you could have gone through every martial art in the world. Right then, to the poetry. To the poetry. Shall we do the poetry? Shall we talk about the poetry, Johnny? Yeah, go on. Let's talk about I the poetry. Let's do, <laughs> so, yeah, 2,000 poems. Well, I mean, the inspiration, obviously, we were all locked down. Uh, we weren't doing stuff. Uh, but So where was the inspiration coming to you for your poems? Well, it's everywhere. You know, the fact of the matter is that poetry is such a broad church um, uh, that everything can be the subject of a poem. Mm-hmm. Um Poems do not have to rhyme. Let me get that point across very quickly. Though many of mine do, but more subtly within the line rather than the dumpty, 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 dum. Mm -hmm. Um, I write about issues. I write about, I've written several poems about the war in Ukraine at the moment. I write about uh, social issues. Um, I write about my childhood. I write about other people. I've written a whole load of poems about therapy, you know, Mm -hmm. and what that process involves, obviously without naming names. Mm -hmm. But um, I write lots of nature poems and and quite a lot of spiritual poems. I mean, not necessarily religious, but spiritual, because I spent quite a lot of time around Buddhism, Mm -hmm. Tibetan and Zen uh, and other religions too. Um, and and in these last two years, what I've done is I've taken lots of photographs. I love taking photographs. And very often I will meld together the words of a poem with an image and I'll print one on top of the other. So they become like poster poems, really. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and they have an extra oomph, I think, because they've got the dimension of the visual as well as the words. Yeah. And I am a kind of member of several poetry groups on the infamous Facebook. Mm. And what is so weird is I can write a poem at five o'clock in the morning. I can put it online on a Facebook group. And within 10 minutes, I've got people literally from all over the world responding to it. Isn't that amazing? I'm very big in Africa. I'm a god, actually, in certain countries there. But, I mean, they come back at and depending on the time zone, as everybody wakes up around the world, they all see little Rog and they write me a little note. Now, the really great poets, the Wordsworths, the Dylan Thomases, the Coleridge's, of the, what would they have done if their poetry had been instantly appreciated? It's yeah. so strange to yeah. think of, yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, and I will write about anything and everything. I, I you know, 
I know it's always difficult uh, when people, you know, yeah, people say to a, you know, uh, to a comedian, you know, tell us a joke, or um, you know, if you're yeah. sing, sing, sing a song. Now, do you, do you have any any of the poems that you're particularly proud of that you could maybe just sh- just share a little little extract or two yeah. with us with? Would that well, be right? Well, what I'd like to do is to mention a book of mine that's coming out in the summer called Thirty Nine Poems for Dylan T. Right, and these are poems about. Dylan Thomas, and the crossover points in my life and his life. Right. Um, One of which is I knew his daughter very well, and we did poetry readings together, you know, when we spent hours talking about private stuff to do with her father, and and I shared stuff to do with my father. And that's a poem called We Talked of Fathers, and things of that nature. And um, I've tried to look at the whole sort of spectrum of Thomas's life and I've been reading and appreciating his work for 50 odd years Mm -hmm. and then writing these 39 poems for the last two years and um, a publishing house in Cardiff is bringing them out in September and I'm very excited so would you like me to read you one of those? That would be lovely, Johnny you'd like that wouldn't you? Right, ladies and gentlemen Mr Mr. Roger Stennett with a poem entitled It's called Memory of a Miler, as in the the athletic mile. Because not a lot of people know this, but Dylan Thomas, when he was a schoolboy, won the Swansea Grammar School Mile. And all his life, he carried the little press cutting in his wallet. And it was in his wallet after his death in New York in 1953. So let me read you this poem. It's not that long. It's a page. Memory of a Miler. Twenty-five years carried, crumpled, precious in a succession of empty wallets. Dylan Thomas treasured the memory of that day in 1928. Aged 14, he won the Swansea Mile at St. Helens Sports Ground. Swansea grammar boy, beaming with pride. Not yet a poet, time enough for that. Images of Dylan rage so widely from angelic upstart in an ugly lovely town to bloated being seeing his sad life disappear like the sun going down over the mumbles but not very often do we recall a spindly teen kitted out to run and beat all contenders coming first is unambiguous The finishing tape tells no lies. The years that followed saw new entrances as poetic lines started to compete for attention. Young athletes' feet replaced by metric ones. A starting gun was fired, a new race begun, only to end overseas a quarter century away, crossing crossing the finishing flat line in a New York hospital, no accolades bestowed, no medal or trophy given, only an obituary echoing round a darkening stadium. But all the time, the hard miles disappeared, hidden like a tattered talisman, Dylan carried proof that once upon a time, he was an athlete, And sometimes in smoky pubs on lost rainy nights in uplands or posh upper east side of Gotham City, Dylan in his cups or painfully sober, 
would unfold the newspaper snippet creased with traveled miles and marks of proud fingertips of the poet's stubby hands. Beaming with pride of rose-tinted reflection, Dylan Wood, at least in that instance, seemed to dismiss all other literary achievements and endeavours, poetry, prose, plays for voices, failing to press the tape. Always second place on the heels of the Myla, a highlight that never dimmed, a gold medal memory in a world that over ticking time raced by, turning from gold to silver, then bronze, then black. We all need magic. We all carry in hands or soft hearts our furry rabbit's feet and four-leafed clovers, locks of our beloved lover's hair in unlocked lockets to buoy us up when the world pushes us down. And so it was with him. Adulation freely offered sometimes didn't matter quite as much. Couldn't match one Swansea day when lungs gasped and grasped for air, and a skinny boy felt his first kiss of victory. Hey, that was lovely. Very nice. Very, very nice. Uh, that's great. So, when when can we look forward to these poems coming out? September, September. August, almost certainly, but by September, by September. they'll be there. Um, and um, I can, you know, the publisher is in Cardiff, um, and. Uh, what I'll do perhaps closer to the time is I'll contact you again and I'll give you a link so anybody interested can contact the publisher. That would be lovely. We'll, and, we'll have uh, another little chat about it. bookshops as well. Yeah, well, let's do, it. Let's well, do a mean, couple, what, couple more poems next time, next time as well. Yeah, we'll link well, up again. Sure next time it would be nice to do some of my childhood theatre poems, if that's okay with you. I mean, we've had a slightly shortened session today because my inability to make the connection uh, <laughs> technologically. Technologically? Um, but next time I'd love to read... I'd, <laughs> Johnny? Um, I mean, John and my dad were, were, were close as anything, uh, Mal, as yeah. you probably know, yes. and... Uh, um, you can't imagine the fun and games we've had over the dec- the decades, not just the, uh, yeah. <laughs> the, dec- the decade. But I'd love to come on again, Mal, and, and read some other poems that if you have me. And oh, I'd love to. And just before you go, obviously we can behind you we can see some of the posters. Was that no, the M- X- oh, Empress? No, no. Can we see? There's a couple of posters there, aren't there? What are what are they? Can you just tell us what they where they represent? Stan Stenner, I see Stan's name there. There we are. Well, I mean, Billy Daniels is on one of them. Um, we've got uh, we've got the Swansea Empire, Swansea um, Empire, uh, which is you know, Swansea Empire with Joan Regan. Right. Uh, we got Billy Daniels. We got Stan Stennett, uh, and somewhere in, oh oh the classic Phyllis Dixie. The, uh, wow, took the, a Yeah, Phyllis Dixie. Absolutely. I mean. And, of course, one of them, which is a great favourite of mine, in the bottom right-hand corner, in tiny letters, barely readable, Des O'Connor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, that's, you terrific. There, yeah. <laughs> that, that's terrific. Well, well, thank you for sharing uh, your, your story again and also the poems. And I think, Johnny, we should, we should have the gentleman back, shouldn't we, near, uh, nearer the time we of the should. publication? We've only just scratched the scratched surface. The surface. We have indeed. Oh, the, we've scratched the surface of the epidermis. <laughs> I'm how to explain that word to you because he went to my college. Like I that. know. <laughs> Listen, I've, written, I've written two books and a play 